but Jennifer Zang. Yes, Jacqueline Lopez. Give me three words to describe memorial. Memorial. Mm-hmm. A laugh riot. <laughs> Hi, <laughs> hilarious. No, 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 no. Nah. Just memorial. kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> memorial. <laughs> it was. Good. It was definitely heavy. Mm. Um, very powerful. Yes. And I'll put my glasses on for this one. Oh wow! Thought provoking. Those are nice glasses. And bam! This is seven of wine. as Disney princesses. Hey. Oh, hi. Ha, ha, hi. Hi. <laughs> My name is Jacqueline Lopez. The uh, other Disney princess is Princess Jennifer Zhang. Mm-hmm. And together, we're the podcast Seven of Wine, where we pair an episode of Star Trek Voyager and a bottle of wine and review them at the same time. Wow. We are... That, s- that sounds hard. It, it does sound hard, but you know what? I think we kind of figured it out. Somehow, we managed. We managed. <laughs> Like marriage. (laughs) We don't know about that. So, this week's episode was picked by the beautiful Jennifer Zhang. And Jen, what did you pick? I picked a memorial. A memorial. (gasps) Memorial. Now, why did we pick said memorial? Well, um, if our calculations are correct, this podcast will be dropping around the time of Memorial Day. In the United States. Perhaps uh, shortly thereafter, but um, for that reason, we felt it was very appropriate to do this particular episode, which, you know, is, uh, yeah. We will will discover if that was the right choice. Indeed. (laughs) Because I don't know if we can get through all the laughter. You guys. In, in, enough, with enough coherence, like, to, to <laughs> summarize and review. I mean, this was hilarious. You guys, what a knee slapper this episode was. Let <laughs> me tell this to you. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, let's get a brief synopsis from the beautiful and talented Jennifer. Asua. Asua. Mm, a wine glass. <laughs> Put yeah. down the wine because it's getting funny right now. Hilarious. I just don't want to. I don't want to chuckle so hard that I spill wine all over myself. You know, I have very deep belly chuckles. Oh, she's like Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> I'm exactly like Jabba the Hutt in every way possible. Yeah, she says "huta chuta" solo a lot. A lot. Too much. Some would say not by my standards. Nope. Just enough. So, Chicote, Tom Paris. Neelix and Harry Kim mm-hmm. return from an away mission with uh, memories of participating in a massacre. What? What? <gasps> just them and that little Delta flyer just going around massacring things? That's hilarious. It would be funny. Pew, 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 pew. Um, but as these memories seem to spread to other members of the crew, the question arises, how real were the experiences um, that they are living. How real are the events that they are recalling? Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. You guys, it's dramatic. It's compelling. And what's the bottle of wine that you uh, paired with today's episode? Well, I selected very carefully from the shelves of Bevmo. <laughs> so carefully. I went on a I went on a away mission. Yes. I uh, went specifically yeah. for two other wines that both turned out to be like fifty bucks each. <laughs> so <laughs> I went. No, we're gonna go with this one instead. This is Ghost Block. Mm. Ghost Block. Why? Because in this particular episode, our dear crew members are being haunted by ghosts of uh, of sorts. Mm-hmm. Of, yep, of sorts. There. Ghosts of sorts. Of sorts. And um, they see them around the block. So we're going to go with that. Yes. And uh, let's let's read into this sweet wine. It's a 2015 Pelissa Vineyard. I have never heard of that. Me either. Uh, it's a Zinfandel. And it's Oakville, Napa Valley. Napa Valley. Okay, Ghost Block. Ghost Block is the culmination of one family's 100-year history in the Napa Valley. Our wines are made with quiet pride. Oh, quiet pride. Pour a glass. The story begins. <laughs> is that what it says? I leg- yeah, that's it. <laughs> Pour a glass. The story begins. You guys, I want that on a business card. Pour a glass. 
the, the story, story begins. begins. That is actually now officially the slogan of Seven of Wine. <laughs> That's kind of actually true. Pour a glass. The story begins. Oh my god. Well, I don't see a copyright or trademark around here. Ah, uh, yeah. So. Yoink! It's ours now, Ghost Block. So yeah, so it's ours. Um, so let's cheers, milady. Cheers. Team. You do it like an expert. You just make sure your tongue is completely no, coated with it. Legitimately, it dried out my tongue, so I'm just trying to actually get sal- saliva to coat my tongue. I am experiencing the same phenomenon. It's It really dries your tongue out immediately. It's like it's made out of handkerchiefs. <laughs> <laughs> Timmy, give me that. I need to put it in the family wine. <laughs> um... So the Zinfandels we've had in the past have actually been really, like, berry full. Yeah. Really, like, full-bodied, air to the side of sweet. Mm-hmm. This has none of those no, effects. No, not sweet at all. It is not sweet. Uh, when we first opened the bottle, of course, you know we drink before we start this podcast. Um, oh, you know it. You know it. can you hear it in our voices? And if you don't know, now, now you, you know. know. So, I mean, okay. First off, it smells like pepper. Yeah, that's weird, right? Super it definitely pepper. smells like some kind of like savory food. It smells, yeah, it doesn't smell like any sort of grape, any sort of berry, any sort of oak. First time, first time for everything, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, so it smells like pepper, and then it tastes like like prunes. It's got a really strong pruneness to there it. There is nothing sweet about it. Yeah, there is nothing. It's it. There's nothing. I don't know. I, it's. It tastes like bark to me. It is. It's really, it's really, uh, at first it was very difficult for me to drink. Oh yeah. Jen made faces. It was funny. I made faces that a toddler would make when you give it like mashed peas. Peas? I was like, boogh. Boogh. Oogly boogs. It's very harsh on the tongue. But once you get used to it, it's still harsh. (laughs) (laughs) It's like sandpaper. And I, I, it's like, I feel like I'm chewing on, on something woody. Mm. That's all I got. But I'm and not. it wasn't even a, it wasn't a, um, you know, it's not the kind of wine you get on a budget. This was a pretty pricey bottle of wine. I think ultimately it clocked in at about 34, 36 bucks at BevMo. I'm still pouring myself some because you know what? That's what winos do. The thing, I the, don't enjoy this wine. I'll have another. You are such a, what is it? Is it a sadist or a masochist? What is that? The it's one a, where you like punish yourself? You enjoy punishment? That's a masochist. Because you genuinely, you completely just empty the bottle when it comes to terrible wine. Any yeah. wine that you disagree with, I'll turn around and it's completely gone. I'll be like, this is awful. I better get rid of it. You're like, this. there's only one way it goes. Yeah, exactly. Down the gullet. Down the hatch. <laughs> Energize. Um, so, you know, we're going to see if it opens up a little... When, when we first opened it up and then the aftertaste was really metallic. <sighs> it just, it wasn't, it was not fun. It's like sucking on a roll of pennies. Yep. That's, uh, that, but, that's it in a nutshell. Ghost it block. Is, it is an unpleasant experience, <gasps> much like this episode. Wow, you're so you come in clutch with those segues, girl. I, you know what? It's it's you go this way, and I go. Oh, we got this. You're the drift king. I'm the drift. Oh my god, I am <laughs> the just, drift king. You just turn that car around real fast, and it's smooth, and it goes exactly where it's supposed to. So I got DMX in the background. I'm feeling good about my life. Yep, it's really cool. Jay, gonna give it to you. <laughs> She's going to give it to you. She, I am. I'm going to give it to you right now yep. in the form of Star Trek Voyager Memorial. Indeed. The Away mission, when it starts out, is hilarious. Yes. Because it's a, it's a, basically four dudes, you know. It's, it's, a, it's a sausage fest. It is. It's the Voyager sausage fest. <laughs> everyone's, everyone's dream come true. Yep. Listeners, I hope you brought a change of pants. <laughs> because that sausage fest is, is approaching Voyager right now. It is Chakotay. Hubba hubba. Tom Paris. <laughs> Tom Paris. Yum. Neelix. Eh. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Neelix is just watching. Um, they're all trapped. They're not trapped. They're, they've no. all been on this long away mission. Where Two they, weeks. They've explored a bunch of different planets, collected a lot of data, have um, overfilled their dilithium quota. So yes. that's good. It was a, yes. it was a uh, successful mission. Very good. Um, and Harry Kim, being that like kind of boyish boy that he is is whining at the other men oh yeah whining that they haven't had a sonic shower that they're all a bunch of stinky guys and, and they didn't do the dishes and they didn't do the dishes they didn't do the dishes he you is guys. so he is just beside himself tom did you not 
did you leave that dirty dish in the sink? And Tom goes, I'm piloting the fucking Delta Flyer, homie. I know. Come on. Come on, homie. I'm getting us home. Yeah. I have not showered. I am still... Everybody has no sign of five o'clock shadow. But nope. that's besides the point. Nope. The point is, they're upset. But luckily... They see Voyager, and then sexy Janeway intercom is like, mm-hmm. welcome home. Here's the here's the great thing about their return is that, you know, they get a little welcome party because they've it was a successful a successful mission. Yes. And Tom Paris, um, right away. No, 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 I gotta bring this up. Not because he's Tom Paris. <laughs> but because because this leads into what happens next, which is like the big turning point. Mm. Right? What 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 ends up ushering in the conflict of this particular Ooh. episode. Tom Paris is uh, at his side is Bolana, right? And she's giving him faces like, aw ye. Aw yeah. I, got I missed you for two weeks, boo. Two, two weeks, baby. And I am still a Klingon. So <laughs> last, last I checked, last I checked, I was still Klingon. Half Klingon. It's the bottom half. It's- <laughs> Stop. It's the bottom half. <laughs> So nasty. Given given him the eyes, and then they all kind of part ways. They, he, she takes him to the quarters where she has replicated the component parts and has personally assembled with her beautiful, masterful hands a 1950s style television set. Aww. Oh, Bellana. Bellana. She's so sweet, girl. So thoughtful and sweet. Um, which, of course, turns out to be a mistake because I'm sure all she wants is what a Klingon wants. Well, <laughs> you know, that was, that was the gimme. Two weeks. That was the gimme. Do you know yeah. what I mean? She was like, hey, here's the TV. Where's my present? What you got for me? Exactly. What you got for me, baby? Quid pro quo. Um, but alas, she's not familiar with what TV does to men. And he... <laughs> Like she's, they're making out, and he goes, "Ooh, cartoons!" And then it's just from that point on, it just look forward to a night of sleeping on the couch, Bolana, because he's just he's watching the TV. I hope your your bottom half Klingon is okay to be dormant for a couple of hours, <laughs> a little bit. But he witnesses something strange in the wee hours of the night as he's watching the television set. He starts seeing. Um, it looks like a war program. Oh, but okay. somehow he's inserted into it. How does this happen? I don't know. And suddenly it's not a program on the television set. He's actually in the war. What? 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 So we cut out after the, the, the sweeping music. We're in the middle of this war, right? Yeah. And yep. Tom Paris He's is, not okay. He's not okay. He is not having a fun time, um, and he gets actually actually gets wounded, and then all of a sudden we're like, oh, first off, how do you get in this jungle with these weird aliens we've never seen before? Mm-hmm. Um, he's calling out um, some random generals' name, like just random names. He's in the you're, he's in the middle of something that clearly looks viscerally real. Mm-hmm. He gets wounded, and then when he comes to. He's back in his quarters mm-hmm. on the ground in a little fetal position. And Bolana's on the sofa like, what is, what is happening? Mm-hmm. It's insane. And it's more, it's worse than your average nightmare. He's visibly shaken. Yeah. Yep. And he's not the only one. No, he is not. As a matter of fact, he is not. Then we cut to the beautiful Harry Kim, now having showered, now being clean. He's in a Jeffrey's tube. <laughs> he went and showered, got all clean, and then just shoved himself into a dirty tube. <laughs> <laughs> I am rested. I'm going to go to this tube. But of course it goes terribly wrong, doesn't it? It does. He does not have a good time in that dirty tube. <laughs> He starts getting the shakes. He gets the shakes. He hears voices. He hears echoes. He hears gunfire. And he yep. starts having an anxiety attack. He's hyperventilating. He freezes up. He completely mm-hmm. freezes up. And so, of course, we get to sick bay, And, you know, he goes, you know, uh, what what's going down? Mm-hmm. Um, and the doc goes, clearly, your endorphins are high. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're having a panic attack. And that's what the dog passes it off as and says, mm-hmm. by the way, we probably could have addressed this earlier had you come by sick bay. He, if the doctor had a middle name, it would be I told you so. Yeah, it literally. What is that, German in origin? <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes, I told you so. Doc. The I told you so. Emergency. <laughs> med- no, emergency medical. I told you so. Hologram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so... So, you know, so he's over and done, right? Yep. And um, we catch up with, uh, let's see, there's two other people that were on the Zoe mission. Yes. Starting to sense a 
since a little pattern here, oh. Neelix. Now, this is the most harrowing scene in the whole freaking episode. Yeah. Because he's chopping vegetables. He's got like a butcher's knife and he's manic about it because he's not feeling good. And who approaches him, Jennifer? Well, I hope it's not a small child. Oh, well, I, I, I'm, uh, I am hoping your hopes are uh, bottled away because it is. <laughs> it is. It's dear, sweet Naomi Wildman. Aww. Who, you know, probably... You know, it probably looks better with her face attached to her head. You know, we, we would assume so. Yeah. He freaks out. He, he's back in the war. He feels like he needs to protect Naomi from an unseen enemy. And he basically grabs her in what looks like a hostage situation. But in his mind, he's back. He's back in the trenches. Exactly. And he's and, just trying to protect this child. And, and you know, what ha- when... You know, the the series of it is very slow and progressive. So she comes in, he's manic, she burns herself. And the minute she wounds himself, it or she wounds herself, it triggers him to, to get into this reaction. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, crew members are walking into the commissary because that's what they do. They walk in to have some food and he immediately mistakens them for the enemy or whomever yep. he's fighting at Suddenly this moment. Suddenly it's like a siege. Exactly. Um, and so Chakotay, when we catch up with him, he's just awakening from a dream. At this point, we get it. <laughs> Like, we as viewers get it. Yeah. Everybody is having a really rough time really rough with the time. sleeps. There's a common thread here. Yeah. Um, and he's called to the, the mess hall. And, you know, because, you know, he, he's a smart guy. He's not just a pretty face with some pretty hair and a pretty face tat. <laughs> well, aside from that, you know, he's he's been in the situation uh, enough to realize, you know what, like he's throughout. And, and another, another common occurrence is... Uh, what was his name? Savdra is brought up again. Uh, the N- Nakan is brought... So these are two words that are being interchanged um, throughout all of these regressions. And to the point where when we pick it up with Chakotay and he's called into the commissary by Tuvok. Hey, homie. Uh, Neelix is acting a fool. He has a phaser. He's shooting <laughs> at people. That. I love it. Hey, homie. Hey, homie. Let's do it in Tuvok voice. <laughs> hey, homie. <laughs> yes. Yes, Tuvok. Ne- Neelix is acting a fool. <laughs> I'll be there right away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's just like, okay. And uh, and so, yeah. So basically, um, you know, Chakotay is coming in and everybody's squatting and mm-hmm. everybody's like, let's be honest. Like, you know, Neelix is having a panic attack. He has a weapon. Yeah. He's Where did this come from? Don't know. He's brandishing a phaser. Yep. He's got, you know, Naomi. Everyone's freaking out. Um, y'all gonna make me. I'm on a DMX kick now. Yeah, I know. Look what you y'all did. Look what I did. Y'all make me lose my mind. He's up in there. Up he, in here. He is up there. Yep. And, uh, but Chakotay is like, hey, look, I can talk him off this ledge because I kind of, I think I know what's going on. Like you said, mm-hmm. that, that face tattoo just gives him superpowers. <laughs> yeah, it does. And it, we're just, he's just like, I got this. And he says all the right things. Yep. He mentions the Nikon. He mentions, um, that they're they're being protected or or the surrender has happened yeah he says there's been he says they've called a ceasefire yes exactly they've called a ceasefire and everything is safe now safe yeah yep and um so it's like the magic word to 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 talk him off the ledge yeah so he's still experiencing it but it's enough to make him feel comfortable enough to transport him to sick bay Mm -hmm. where all is revealed yep suddenly we realize that um the pattern is emerging and everybody's endorphins or neoephrines or whatever the scientific thing is, basically everyone is experiencing some form of PTSD. PTSD, a very intense PTSD, which at this stage in the um, in the episode, we don't know whether or not it's it's from actual experience. Yes, because for all we know, we started the episode with them saying they were just on a fact finding mission, really, just an exploratory mission, and like a. a like they were just gathering resources, and they looked exhausted. They looked exhausted. We hadn't seen what actually gone down. Exactly, right? and we know because it is the Star Trek universe. People tamper with memories. Mm-hmm. Um, in you know, there, there's there's telepaths, there's empaths, all these things that are biological electro- electrical signals. They can all be messed with and are effectively messed with. You know, uh, w- just throughout the universe. Yep. Um, so it's possible. Their first conclusion is, ooh. Maybe you guys didn't remember right away because maybe your memories were tampered with. Or maybe they're not even your memories to begin with. They were maybe just implanted. Yeah. So that's the most optimistic, hopeful um, 
thought that Janeway has because the alternative is is horrific. Yeah. The alternative is that they've they somehow on this away mission participated in a war where a lot of people died. Well, so at I, their hands. Yeah, and and that's the funny part. That's that was the that's a triple knee slapper right there, you guys. So, Janeway goes because she is a goddess. She goes, "Look, everybody seems to have bits and pieces of the story. Mm-hmm. Let's see if we can piece it together." So they all go to the briefing room Mm -hmm. and they start weaving this really funny story, you guys. It (laughs) is funny. The funniest story. Where does it start, Jen? (laughs) (laughs) Get this. Oh my God, I'm so excited. (laughs) So, these guys. These crazy guys. These crazy guys. (laughs) They go to a colony thinking they're going to evacuate it. But what what they don't expect is an ambush. What? That causes them to just completely become unhinged (laughs) and they start murdering civilians. Oh my god. 82 of them to be exact. 82 civilians who didn't expect to die that day. Man, woman, and children. Oh my god. Oh wow. Especially the children. Oh stop it. I'm peeing (laughs) myself. I'm laughing so hard. (laughs) Actually, but what was really comical to me about this, and it, okay, so clearly not funny, but Mm, what was funny is how disheveled they looked. Telling the story. Telling the story. As they essentially pass, like, because now now it's all coming together and they're essentially passing, like, a talking stick around. Yeah. Like, they're all just continuing the story. Like, it's like a roundtable discussion. They're picking up where the others left off. Yeah. And they're putting together this portrait of this horrible thing that happened. And they they are starting to relive it, sweating, mm -hmm. becoming manic. Well, and they build on each other. Yeah, that that was the one thing. But I I guess what I'm digressing to is when they're actually like in the moment with, you know, uh, Savdra and um, talking about the plans. Oh, yeah. Like they have like like, mud on their faces (laughs) and they're like their uniforms. Like you could tell someone like had like, you know, like mud, like paint or like, I don't know, grease paint on their fingers and was just like cave drawings. Smudging it all over everyone. man. So in case you guys haven't seen the episode, what Jackie's referring to is as they're telling the story, uh, they we're were actually cutting to, we're cutting to the actual events. Exactly. You know something is completely amiss in Orion in, in their, um, the recreations of the events, however, because everybody there is in their, their war uniforms, but our Starfleet members are all in their uniforms. Yes. Even though they're acting as if they're completely in the scene, they look as if they were stepped into the scene from from somewhere else, which is, you know, yeah, our first so, indication that something is not quite, you know, there's something, it, something's off here. It's off, yeah. but at the same time, you, you still can give the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they were recruited. Maybe mm-hmm. something has happened but where... But they're behaving strange. But they're behaving very strangely. And they're acting, they're acting against who they are. Case in point, Chakotay. It was literally supposed to be they were going to get the colonists that were on this planet, put them in little pods, send them up, and then apparently it's it's a little vague, but they were going to return them at some point. But Chakotay's character, at least Chakotay in the story, is saying, hey, look, we as the rounder uppers are really sleep deprived. We're really on edge. Can we, you know, take a rest or something? And usually Chakotay would be very adamant about, hey, look, we need rest. We need all this stuff. He's completely complacent. He's he's completely compliant. Everything starts going wrong. They're about ready to get the last of the colonists. But the, the meeting point that these 24 were supposed to be at, they're not there. They're empty. And, uh, and Savdra is just like, hey, you know what? Screw it. Let's just take it and go. It turns out that those 24, unfortunately, were armed and started a, firing on them well it's a who shot for a situation mm-hmm. it's really difficult and this situation escalates like you said where it becomes a massacre it's very interesting this common thread of harry kim being the innocence you see him why he was so affected yeah he, he immediately he whomever this character whomever this entity was whomever whatever part he was playing is on edge is antsy mm-hmm. his person his, his story runs into a cave where he encounters a, yep. a father and his daughter, right. and you know he just wants to find a way out. He's claustrophobic. He doesn't like anything completely counter to getting in those Jeffrey's tubes, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the old man reaches for something. Uh, Harry Kim overreacts and shoots both people. Yep, he straight up murders them. Mm-hmm. Y'all gonna make me lose, lose my mind. I've been here. I've been here. So Get it happens. on the floor. And so, so we've yeah. just seen like. 
you know, we know something's amiss. We see these these member the members of the Voyager crew acting out of character to the point where, you know, as an audience member, you know, this isn't really them, right? But to them, to them, they're, they're they've stepped into those parts, um, and they've been made to go through these motions mm-hmm. of the story where they do things that are completely. Um, counter to to how they would react you know i i don't think harry kim has it in him to lose his cool like lose his cool and just murder two people in cold blood but we watch him do it so unfortunately back in the war room um now that we've seen what they see what they've seen um we understand that it's not just them recalling his memories they lived this reality yes they've lived this reality they now have blood on their hands these are permanent memories to them, regardless yep. of if they transpired or not, which is what's going to lead us to the next part of, of, this, of this episode, because Janeway wants to get to the bottom of this. She says, clearly, something went down when you guys were on your away mission, but whether it was factual or whether it was implanted, it has been made mention, like you said, the doc did say, look, memories are implanted. They can be. And, but it's too much of a coincidence that all of them were living the exact same memory mm-hmm. And different facets of it to this detail. So it is the responsibility of, you know, Janeway and, and the crew to figure out whether or not they actually went down there and killed a bunch of people. Exactly. You it's, know? it's a touchy, it's a little touchy spot they're We're in right now. we figure this That's out. Because, yeah, and hilariously, they are in the Delta Quadrant. They could just go, do, 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 fly away. They really could. Pretend they're like, like it never happened. I know do this. <laughs> oh, no, oh. not me, no. No, Mr. No, Mr. Prime Directive. No, Mr. Prime Directive. <laughs> <laughs> Me no kill lots of people. Why is it Jar Jar? Why did you turn into Jar Jar? I don't know. We've made a lot of Star Wars references in the Star Trek podcast today. It's because, it's because uh, you know, uh, Ghost Block makes us lose our mind. <laughs> up in here. Up in here. Oh, Ghost Block. So Janeway wants to retrace their steps. Look, you know, they, their away mission is... So basically, they went on a two-week away mission, and Janeway's just going to do the mission again. Yep. With the ship. With yep. the whole ship. So sonic showers and everything. So what's, what's great about this is... Um, I think we all, at this point, it's safe to say, spoiler alert, we all recognize that they didn't actually do this. But what's so beautiful is how all of them, at least to the extent of the people we touch upon, how they all independently, we see them coping with these memories while they're making this pathway to, you know, the planets that they need to. So what's, what's what's extremely interesting about this is we get these little snapshots of what it's like through the Voyager crew to deal with PTSD. Isn't that beautiful? It was very masterful how this particular episode did this, right? Because Mm. these weren't little episodes where we're taken through, like, how does does Neelix reckon with this? How does Tom Paris reckon with this? How do they become better person, better people in the end? We don't get taken through that entire arc at all. We just see them behaving with, uh, behaving, um, erratically with this PTSD and it and none of these episodes that we see have any resolution we never see Neelix apologizing to to Naomi Wildman right because in real life you know someone with PTSD will snap at somebody and they may not have the opportunity to explain or properly communicate why it was they did that why why they were triggered um the two episodes that we see are that one and the one where um you know unfortunately Tom Paris and Bolana they have this this kind of really domestic moment. Now, I can't remember if they're married by this season. They're not. They're not. But they've become very domesticated. Yeah. In that they they, they, oper- they occupy the same space. And she says, like, the wrong thing. I don't know what it is, but she just kind of inadvertently says the wrong thing, and he flies off the handle at her. She basically says, the doc's doctor said these memories mm-hmm. might not be yours. And he's like, whether they're not mine or not, yeah. I'm living with he's this living reality. It's, it's telling someone that their trauma isn't real. When it's like, it's tearing them apart. And especially with him, he was one, he was the only one in theory that was injured and he yeah. felt every aspect of yep, it. So he, he like, had a visceral yeah. reaction and, and story that was crafted in his, in his cerebellum or wherever you could So the, in this memory. scene, we see him screw, like he, it, it this he discussion, screams. this discussion devolves to the point where he's just screaming uncontrollably into her face. The mm. harshest, like, you've never seen this couple behave this way before. No. And you don't even get the benefit by the end of the episode of seeing them resolve this conflict uh, because it wasn't a conflict. It was literally an episode, a PTSD episode where he just, you know, he loves her dearly, but he can't control the fact that he's just, she's triggered in him this, this irrational 
behavior. You know, it's really fascinating you bring that up because mm-hmm. I think the two people that we see specifically with coping are Neelix and, and Tom, yep. as you may mention. Yep. We see this unresolved and we see this really tumultuous situation transpire between Bolana and uh, Tom to the point where she just walks off mm-hmm. and he's kind of left. She doesn't his, know what to do. She doesn't know. She doesn't know how to deal with she, it. She has nothing. And then the flip side is you have the most compassionate person on the ship, Neelix, mm-hmm. talking with the most... Uh, not necessarily apathetic, but the most uh, robotic, right? Seven. Mm-hmm. And he's talking oh, with her. That scene is so good. And it's so it's so genuine in the sense that you have Neelix, who's completely ashamed, right? He understands that Naomi is probably traumatized. He endangered How, a child. Yeah. It's something that yeah. is completely against his nature. Yeah. And he's sitting there, and who's trying to cheer him up but Seven? Yes. Brings in copious amounts of desserts. Where are you right now, Seven? Including a souffle. Seven, I could use a souffle right now. Come on, Seven. Seven, up here. Perhaps a cheesecake, love. Seven, energize. Damn it, didn't work. (laughs) Anyways, so she comes in and she's like, hey, look, this is what uh, Naomi Wildman likes when she's feeling low. Because she likes the treats. And Neelix is very, what I love about Neelix is, for better or worse, you know, I feel like every character serves their part on this show. They have to. That's why they're in it. Um, He is... He is very much the heart of this show. And mm-hmm. what's so and when he gets troubled, it's very interesting because you you can kind of as much much to your chagrin, whether you like the character or not, you can identify with that. Mm-hmm. And he sits there and he goes, Look, you've done terrible things. Yeah. As the Borg, you were you were yeah. an asshole. Let's let's talk to let's Hmm, atrocities committed. Let's talk to the Borg. Because literally, is seeing as how she's part of a collective, Seven has racked up millions of atrocities. Yeah. Yeah, millions. Put it put it lightly. They've eradicated entire species. species. Yeah, yep. to make them the, their own. They've just assimilated for them. Just for knowledge. Just just to just in the pursuit of perfection. So she is in in a way the perfect person to consult. Exactly. So she ba- so he basically proposes to Seven. Hey, uh, you were an asshole, and she goes, Yeah, I was. And he goes, How how do you live with the? Do you feel guilty? And she has enough humanity in her, mm-hmm. or has evolved enough to. Uh, regain that humanity uh where she says yeah i feel the guilt and he goes oh how do you cope with it and what's so beautiful is in her simplicity she says look you you hold on to the guilt the guilt is a gift because it helps you from making that mistake again Mm -hmm. and which is for which is foreshadowing the entire theme of the episode yeah it's like because um it's it's only in remembering the mistakes do you this not, is the start of the theme. Them. Yeah, yep, not repeat them. This is the start of the theme. Mm-hmm. And it's funny that Seven starts the ball, ball rolling and then we'll yep. see who we'll see who puts the the button on the end of this joke. Yep. Cuz this is hilarious at this point so you guys. Funny. You guys. I, I don't know. I don't know if I can go on. Jackie, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Let's All go right. on. So as they as they enter uh, as they enter the space around this planet, well, they're going through the astromatrix lab, right? Yep. Who who becomes affected? A Janeway, indeed. And Captain Gavin Janeway. Um, suddenly, as they as the planet comes into view, yes, she under her breath knows what the planet is. Yep, the name. What is the name? It starts with a T. It does start with a T. What is it called? Maybe that's all you guys need to know. Huh? <laughs> It's not because we forgot her anything. Tarak- Tarakis. Tarakis. There you go. I mean, we knew that all the time. We were testing you. Captain Catherine Janeway. And under her bated breath, she actually realizes that she knows the planet's name. Mm-hmm. And you hear her just go, Tarakis. She's like, just like that, in a flash. In she's, a f- she's back on Tarakis. She's on Tarakis. Her hair is as disheveled as they can make it. They put her, their fingers in there and mm-hmm. a little flippity flips. And now we see how... They were recruited into this war, as in, like, she they're just in it. So she's in it. So now we know two things. First off, we know for a fact that Janeway has not been on this planet. No, she so wasn't on the away mission. that these memories are not theirs. They just get jumped into them. However, we, as far as we were concerned with the initial group, right, um, there was just a massacre. That's all that transpired. Mm-hmm. The atrocity, if, if you couldn't top that... Mm-hmm. We start seeing the conclusion of what happened on this planet, on this Tarakis mm-hmm. Isle of Joy. Oh my God! It's practically—I <laughs> mean, they should rename Tarakis Six Flags Ma- Magic Planet. Magic Planet! Oh my God! Tarakis Magic Planet. <laughs> the roller coasters that you go on, you guys. So. 
Janeway is on this planet looking divine, and even despite being disheveled, and by disheveled, she just put her hair behind her ears, and you're just like, oh man, she's had it rough. And so she's walking around, stopping with her cute little heels, and all of a sudden she goes to this asshole Savdra who's just been like barking really he's crappy orders. I would swipe left. You guys, he's like <laughs> terrible. He's like secondhand smoke. He's just the worst. Like you can't get out of my face, Savdra. But not before he commits the final over-the-top what-the-hell atrocity. He starts telling his crew of killers at this point to vaporize, erase, to vaporize the bodies. Vaporize to the bodies. wipe the entire 82 people that they've killed, wipe them off the face mm-hmm. of, of not well, yeah, of the planet. Yeah, and to not acknowledge their death. It was an accident. Basically, he says, look, so Janeway comes in and, oh my God, just like, the guttural, what are you doing? I was just like, oh, I'm yeah. sorry. You know this- it's not Janeway. No. This 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 particular person that she stepped into the shoes of is unhinged like crazy. Yeah, like unhinged. Un- unable yeah. to handle what they're witnessing. Yeah. Out, out bananas. And, of course, she's not in command, right? So yep. she's, not in, she's not in a position of command. She's completely off kilter. And she's manic. She's manic at this point. What are you doing? Why are you wiping these people off? This is this isn't right. And, and he so, just says they weren't here. They weren't here. That's the story. Yeah, is that they were gone that by clear? the time we got here? Yep, yep. This is Janeway's personal hell, because mm-hmm. Janeway she's gotten her she's gotten to where she is as a captain, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. by always doing what is. Uh, right for the greater good and for the greater greatest number of people she puts everyone before she, herself she's a paragon of like starfleet principles other than the prime directive <laughs> well, she, but um but hey she, jen yep are you the prime directive why oh no that's not gonna work <laughs> what was i supposed to say no it is you know you're right it was one of those it's like i want to say like hey jen or like like, you go up to a guy and you're like, hey, are you the prime directive? Because I want to screw with you. Oh, yeah. Because I want to violate you in ways Gene Roddenberry would not have approved of. <laughs> <laughs> so now she's at a crossroads, right? She's been out for three hours. She comes to, she sees her entire crew being affected, with the exception of Tuval, because apparently he has a mind palace with fortresses galore, or, mm-hmm. you know, he's able to, you know, light his genie lamp and focus or something. Anyways, the point is, he's fine, but there's a crossroads that they come to. He he goes, clearly, this is not the right direction we should be going. Now everyone's affected. Everyone's been implanted with these memories. And the doc has made it very clear that he can't get rid of these memories. No, he can't. It's beyond his capabilities. It is beyond his capabilities. Yep. He's like, these, this is permanent now. Everybody, we can't command Z this. Everyone is now feeling the dire effects and the repercussions of these atrocities. Mm-hmm. But Janeway's like, look, it, it's, if it's real enough, we have to realize we need to make sure mm-hmm. it happened on this planet. They have to boldly go. They do. Yeah. They, had, they have to explore. They have yeah. to figure out what the hell. And yeah, They're explorers at the end of the day. And it's not just yeah. that, but you made a really good point. I mean, it, this really just goes back to exactly what you said before, which is she doesn't want to leave a man behind whether or not it's part of her crew. She needs to know what happened. Mm-hmm. If this did happen, she wants, she needs to get to the bottom of it mm-hmm. for her piece of, for her memory, peace of mind, right? Yep. So they touch down on the planet. She brings the OGs that had initially felt it, mm-hmm. um, right? She brings in the, and she brings in Tuvok as well because mm-hmm. he goes with Kim and they're going to split up and they're going to figure out exactly what was going down. Yep. Yep. And um, first of all, it's not looking good. Everybody remembers to a T exactly what the terrain of this planet is. They're able to find, like, the sites at which these things happened. There's no evidence that a war has happened at this point. But it's beautiful there. It's it's verdant, and it's um, but it still has, like, the it's still the landscape at which this thing happened. And it's for that reason that Harry Kim is able to recognize the landmarks and the markers that lead him to the cave where he had shot those two innocent people. Yeah. Um, and therein lies the clue that cracks this case wide open, which is when they examine the remains of the two people that he had supposedly killed, Tuvok discovers the remains are... 300 years old. Yep. They are 300 years old. And we, f- we see phaser fire at the entrance of the cave. So whatever transpired did happen, but Tuvok makes not it perfectly hands. clear. Yeah, not at their hands. So that's the Tuvok and Kim side of, you know, Dora the Explorer. On the other side of this, 
were hanging out with Chakotay and and uh, Janeway, and they're making their way around, and they encounter this huge obelisk mm-hmm. with really foreign writing on it. Yep. They uh, scan all of the hieroglyphics on it, the glyphs on mm-hmm. it, and they uh, they beam it up to the ship, and Seven does her little beep boop boop mm-hmm. and translates it. And basically, what they've discovered is that this obelisk is a memorial. It's a... <gasps> It's a memorial. It's a memorial to this atrocity that had happened. But it's a high-tech memorial that, uh, obviously, because it's Star Trek, um, that is essentially uh, its purpose, as you would have guessed, it has synaptic transmitters in it, Mm. right? So it actually will transmit particular things, in this case, memories, into your synapses and make you experience this atrocity so that it never is forgotten. Nope. and You can't. No. Tough luck. However, <laughs> however, mm-hmm. it's dying. It is. It, it is. After 300 years, there's a little bit of, there's city miles on it. Yeah. So basically, the, the battery that was charged in it is now losing charge, which is why everybody had such choppy memories and no one had the clear story. The it story. was piecemeal. So now we're at the crossroads of this episode Mm -hmm. do we destroy this memorial's purpose so that nobody will ever have to go through this shit again (laughs) you guys hilarious you guys this this vegas vacation was hysterical but do we want to share the goodies with everyone else or do we want it to to stop do we want it to just be sitting on this planet completely lifeless completely not serving its purpose essentially and there's there's the debate yes because if they destroy the memorial then, then what's his name? Savdra, whatever. I mean, essentially, that is what his per- what his goal was was to make it so this didn't happen. Well, and you know what really occurred to me throughout the course of rewatching this episode, Jen, is that you realize that this story was told from the perspective of the soldiers mm-hmm. that didn't committed want- the atrocity. This was their guilt. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it wasn't it wasn't the victim's tale. Mm-hmm. It was them saying. We fucked up. Yeah. We, this is their penance. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that was the most important thing, in my opinion, is when you were living this story through the lives of Paris, through the life of Kim, you know, when you were living these memories through these people, these are the people specifically, even if it was the same thread. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could, you could argue that maybe three people experienced what Kim felt Mm -hmm. three people experienced what Janeway felt blah 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 Mm -hmm. but these were the people who decided to put this memorial up in the first place so there there is the lesson that Mm. they that they wanted to communicate to people which is by making you relive what they did this is why you do not do this well Jen didn't uh, Seven touch on this earlier yeah exactly if you hold if you actually experience the guilt that is that is the strongest weapon you have against uh, history repeating itself yep it is an asset it is an asset in that way it sucks to go Mm -hmm. through but you learn from your mistake yep now everyone's gonna feel our guilt so hopefully none of you do what we did yeah because we're asshats hey you guys we were dick nuggets (laughs) so uh just a word to the wise what we did don't do it don't follow my example. Fascinating. But now we're at the. But now we're at a conundrum, right? Do now we have the power of these memories? We have the power of this guilt and the potential that it can have on others to change their perspectives, to have them learn something. We have the power to turn it off. Yep. We have the power to you know let them be their own because this this lesson comes at a terrible price. It is memories you can't get rid of. So so this core group of people who have experienced these memories the first, they've obviously been the most affected, at least in the course of this tale. Yep. Chakotay's the first one to be like, awesome, let's turn this off. This Burn it to sucked. the ground. <laughs> let's, let's throw some, we got some proton cannon stuff, right? We got some torpedoes somewhere. Can we just drop them and go? Nuke this thing. Can we just? Jesus Christ. Like, literally. Yeah. That's pretty much his, that's exactly how he plays it. He's just like, fuck this noise. Let's just delete it. Blow this popsicle stand sky and, high. And Janeway's like, nay. Yeah, no. she's she's the dissenter. She's no. like, and what's funny is she's a fe- like she her decision. Who you know it, it's hard to say whether or not it's influenced by the character that she stepped into. Mm. But she does say, "I 
Le- stood by idly. I thought she was going to make mention of something that she had experienced in Starfleet. No, no. She, she talks about her experience as yeah. this person that she had to inhabit. She said, I stood idly by and let him do this, like erase these people the first time. Yeah. I'm not going to do it again. Yeah. Now she's speaking from the perspective of Janeway. Yeah. Uh, Janeway, now she actually has a chance to undo what the the person like the, not the, undo it but to right that wrong to atone for that that's person. fascinating that you know she really imbues that within herself she and you, redeems that person she redeems that person and and and, and thusly redeems herself because you're yep. absolutely right it doesn't it just the whole the whole experience doesn't sit well with her no as a person and yeah. it's not just wiping her slate clean because she also makes mention of of memorials that have happened that are all over the world mm-hmm. and all over across time. Case in point, she brings up Gettysburg. Yeah, you you, know? this is why you don't destroy them. This is why we honor them. Mm. Um, why they stand? Why, why they? Why we make sure that they're preserved? Yeah. And so she does, you know, the right thing. She says, "We're keeping it up. We're putting beacons out. <laughs> yeah, we're putting a little warning buoy out in oh, the. We're putting things out like, hey, you guys, just want to let you know if you want laughs for days." <laughs> Please continue forward. <laughs> exactly. Proceed proceed to the magic planet. This is going to feel kind of funny. You guys, you want that little tingling sensation in the back of your brain? So that's that's kind of what, what happens. We we end up seeing, we close on the episode having the Voyager crew, the Voyager crew out there repairing this so that it'll stand and shine bright and memorialize um, the victims of this atrocity. Um, for at least 300 more years. Well, and what is so touching, though, is because, you know, what happens is is they're in the briefing room when Janeway makes this, this is the decision moment. She's very terse about it. But you can tell that she knows that it doesn't sit well with this immediate group of her confidants. And she, again, once more returns with this core group to to help re-energize this beacon or this uh, memorial. And before before they energize back up, she looks at all of them and says, look, I know this was the toughest on all of you, mm-hmm. but I want to let you know that they would thank us. What was really smart about the way this episode handled Memorial, right, is that there are two sides to every story. Yep. And it there isn't good and evil, necessarily. War is so, it, it, it fucks with people. Pardon my French. Um, I said like fuck seven million times. <laughs> you say it once and suddenly, oh. But whoa. like, the, you know, every, every atrocity... Every war-based atrocity, right, kind of has different flavors, but there's one aspect of it, which is the people that commit the atrocities, they're not inherently bad people. They, what happens is they are a victim of circumstance, yep. of conditioning, yes. of, of, like, if, if we go to, like, the, you know, it's going to be really grim. If you really want to have not a good time, guys, Wikipedia, My Lie Massacre, which is one of the worst massacres ever perpetrated by american troops on foreign soil and it it is essentially what this was was um american troops in uh, a vietnamese city called my lai right they had these troops had been through a lot they had seen one of their major generals killed Hmm. right they so they'd lost their their leadership they had been suffering under really harsh conditions so that when they arrived at a village where they had a certain objective they were completely unhinged and they murdered and raped and pillaged and destroyed that city for no good reason. Women, children, just, you know, whatever. It, it, and it's it's one of those things that has been studied ever since. It's like what caused these American troops that were there to, to go, go off the rails. so yeah. off the rails and do something that Americans frequently you know fight against when the stated reason when we go into not even just americans just people who are going in in for goodwill who are trying to do good exactly going touching down to do good how could it go so So wrong wrong yeah and and um and it's like are they bad people or did they just kind of just reach a limit to the point where they are no longer themselves which is what we saw here with this particular atrocity yeah um so it was really smart on the episode's writers to kind of present it from this perspective. Mm. You see this beacon powering up again. So they had put the, the little transmitters on and had blasted to the ether. They were recharging the battery in there. And you see the light burning bright in it. And you realize, you know what? It's it's not about that. That in itself is the memory. That in itself is the resolution where mm-hmm. it's for better or worse. This is how we learn. This is how we grow. This is mm-hmm. how we we move on and we become we hopefully become mm-hmm. better. And this is how we honor honor the yes. people and, and make sure that what 
what they suffered was not for nothing. Yep. Yep. So hilarious. With laughs so at every turn. Funny. I can't. Jackie, I can't oh, anymore. I can't breathe, take anymore. Breathe. Breathe. <laughs> oh my gosh. Put a fork in me. I'm done. That was, a, that was you guys, oh chuckles God. for days. I don't have to do ab exercises for the rest of the month. How are we going to top that? I don't know, but it's going to have to be a downer because that was so peppy. <laughs> Well, speaking of Memorial, let's remember this wine and how horrible it was at the beginning and see if it's shifted any. Oh, dear wine. Uh, it doesn't smell like pepper that much. Now it smells like paper. <laughs> yeah, it does. It definitely changed its scent. Hmm. Nope, still terrible. Yeah, it's not good. We're still, uh, yep. just like <clears throat> war, you guys. We're going to... You know what our memorial is? We're never buying this wine again, Jen. Yeah, remember, let's, I'm going to keep this bottle here as a, as a monument to this bad decision. A wine-morial. A wine-morial. <laughs> <laughs> memorial wine. Memorial wine. So that was memorial. Mm-hmm. We hope you enjoyed that joyous romp around the Delta Quadrant. <laughs> Talaxis or whatever you're called. What is it called? Taracus. Taracus. Guess you- what? The wine is working. It's working, guys. That magic planet Taracus destination of glee mm-hmm. i'm so excited we visited it mm-hmm. together magic planet magic six flags magic planet six flags magic planet <laughs> stop that boy has like bugs bunny on it just like <laughs> this way for fun <laughs> i don't know why the va- oh i see what you're saying six flags <laughs> i was like why is the vanga bus happening oh my gosh well that was memorial hopefully you had an amazing memorial day and mm-hmm. hopefully the only memories that you take away are wonderful ones full of food barbecue friends yep beer yeah not this wine don't get uh no. don't get this ghost block no Mm-mm. block the ghost yep exactly. block it block it block it command be like nay yep pew pew so uh i don't know what we're gonna do next month i don't know what i'm gonna start the month with but i know we're gonna go into the deep cuts because i feel like we're touching on this was an, an ex- this was an exploratory mission in terms of mm-hmm. an episode we didn't necessarily consider yeah, it wasn't, uh, you know, it's not one of the episodes that Star Trek Voyager fans cite as a favorite. Nope. And uh, we're trying to, you know, jump on that jump on that bandwagon because we've been favoring a lot of our go-tos. Our favorite. Let's do a funny one next time. A funny one? We promise you guys a funny one because this one was so dark. Yeah. It was so funny because I honestly, when we jumped into this, I was like, oh yeah, Memoria, I remember that was good. And then I'm watching, I'm like, it's good for all the wrong reasons. This Ooh. is not going to be fun. No, this one's... <laughs> it's heavy, Ooh. Doc. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Lift me up. Well, we'd love to hear your thoughts. We'd love to hear what your thoughts are, what your favorite jokes are from this planet. This whippersnapper of a gleeful terrain. Um, <laughs> if you have any thoughts, comments, questions, we don't have answers, but we'll make them up for you. Um, <laughs> y'all come back to Tarakis, you hear? Hey, y'all come back to Tarakis and just make sure you, you uh, hit us up on all the social, which is Seven of Wine, or you can email us at engage at sevenofwine.com. I'm Jacqueline. I'm Jennifer. And this has been Seven of Wine. Y'all come back now, you hear? <laughs> 